0: around surrounding world so all right we're going to continue in our series in the book of Romans we're now on chapter 5 believe it or not we're going to read verses 1 through 8 together but then we're going to really focus on verses really 1 through 5 and kind of recap a little bit of what I taught last time we were in Romans and then kind of like work our way hopefully to get up through verse 5 here so you can follow along in the overhead if you want and let's uh, let's dig into the Book of Romans. I'm going to read out of the version Moses brought down from Mount Horeb. No, I'm only kidding. I'm a LSB NASB guy, so forgive me. Don't don't fault me for it. All right, so Romans chapter five. Let's look at the first eight verses here. And uh, as I'm reading this, remember this is God speaks to us through His zealous word, His life-giving word. I want you to follow along because. God is speaking to you when we're reading His Word. So Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified, or having been declared right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exult in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation, look at this, tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance literally brings about proven character, and proven character, hope. Hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been literally gushed out, poured out where? Within our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now look at verse 6. For a while we were still helpless. Anybody ever feel helpless? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. That's all of us. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die. But look at verse 8. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You pretty much have the heart of the gospel all packed right into those verses there, church. So, let's look at Romans 5, 1 here. Slide 3. Therefore, now there's your word, deoxidathos, being justified by faith. We have peace, that's irene with God through, who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So, justification, we've been, now that's in the Irish text, we've been justified, because he's writing to the church, we've been made right, comes to us by faith, and we have peace, Irene, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have that up there. Slide four now, in the NLT, therefore, since we've been made right with God's sight, in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So, church, we had looked at how Paul finished up that powerful teaching on this doctrine of justification by faith. That is how we are made right with God. Through the atoning, sacrificial death of Christ on that cross for our sin. Here in verse 1, Paul is connecting these words together. Therefore, what do we learn? Well, he's connecting what he's already said with what he's about to teach us. He then uses two other very important words. We have. Literally, in the Greek, we hold to or we possess. These words are in the present tense. This indicates to us something that we already now possess. What is he trying to get across to us, church? Since we've been made right with God the Father by faith in Christ, we now possess peace with god through christ this peace with god is established the moment that we come to place our faith and trust in jesus christ alone for our salvation we looked at that word peace the word irene it means quietness rest share with you slide 5 uh, this is what calvin in his commentary defines uh, the word peace he says he calls it a tranquility of your conscience what does tranquility mean, church? There's no agitation. There's, it's serene. There's no disturbance in there because you know you've been made right with God. The word conscience, it's actually a Latin word which means with knowledge, uh, has the idea here of a knowledge or a sense of right and wrong. It is an awareness of the person that he has of himself in relationship to the Lord. <clears throat> See, prior to being saved, a person is at war with God. A lot of people like to hear that, but before you're saved, you're at war with God. We're an enemy of God. We have no peace with God when we're not saved. There's this, this disturbance, this agitation in our conscience. There's this absence of peace. And sadly, most unsaved people do not think of themselves that way. Look at Romans 8, 7. Look at this. Next slide. Slide 7. Here we are. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. The mind, the phreneo, is set on the flesh and is hostile towards God. It it does not, that word hupotasso, it does not submit itself or it doesn't continually submit itself to God. Because it's not able to do so. When you're dead in your sins, you want things your own way apart from God. That's what's going on. So the mindset that is set on the flesh has this hostility towards God. Put up slide 8. In the NLT it says, for the sinful nature, or sin nature that we were born with, is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. So that word hostile, think about it. What comes to your mind when you think of the word hostility. More importantly, if we really want to apply hermeneutics, what did Paul mean when Paul used the word hostile, the word's ekthra? What did he mean there? Literally, the, the idea of hostility is hatred, showing ill will. It is the opposite of peace. Paul tells us what is hostile towards God. What is this hostility? He says the mind set on the flesh. That's your disposition. Your mindset. He's talking about our will, our affections, our reasonings. What are they set on? The flesh. So you have to ask yourself, Well, because he uses the Greek word sarx here, what does he mean by flesh? Well, see, Paul's speaking of those who are unforgiven, those who are not born again, those who are unredeemed, who are dead in their sins. And he's been trying to tell us, listen, guys, sin makes us very anxious people. Sin gives us no rest, no peace, only a disturbed conscience. So those who are feeding into that or indulging the flesh and its sinful desires, chasing after the worldly things, have no peace. You're not going to find peace in the crack vial. You're not going to find peace in the bottle. You're not going to find it in any drugs or alcohol. You're not going to find it there. It's not there. And he talks about those whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, Those who are setting their affections on these earthly things. This is what Paul is calling calling hostile behavior towards God. And it's a way of life. This way of life, this behavior towards God. Church is the opposite of peace with them. And people are longing for peace. But here's the problem. They're looking for peace and happiness in all the wrong places. You're not going to find those blessings in the land of idols. And if we're to be honest with ourselves and the Lord this morning, we struggle with conjuring up gods of our own imagination. I mean, if we want to really get real with God this morning, we projected our own thoughts and have thought, this must be of God. But the moment we come to realize the truth about God, we are troubled in our hearts and we are disturbed at our enmity and hostility towards God. Do we yet see that apart from salvation... Through Christ alone, there is no peace, there is no hostility, only hostility. Our war against God ends when we, our mouths are shut and we realize there's no act on our own by where we can make ourselves right with God apart from the Holy Spirit, and we come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And we trust in Him alone as our Lord and Savior. We don't need to trust the booze. Miller lights not going to save you. The crack cocaine's not going to save you. All of that garbage is not going to save you. It promises blessing, but in the end, it's only destruction. Slide nine. So ask yourself these diagnostic questions this morning. Are you still at war with God? Do you hate him when you don't get your own way? Is there that, that ekthra, that hostility towards him? When you don't get your own way. How often does hostility in your heart show up against him? We put him on trial. We blame him for things. Church, this all changes. This all comes to an end when we come to a saving faith in Christ alone. Here's something I've learned in my own life. When you come to saving faith in Christ, listen... Your desires, listen, your desires begin to change. Your heart begins to change. Your plans begin and your dreams begin to change as you're surrendering your life over to Christ alone. Peace with God is opposed to the dead security that is found in the flesh. And Paul finishes this verse with, through or by means of, our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul, knowing how easily we forget things, never wants us to forget this church. And he feels that he can never say this too much. Where do our true blessings come from? From the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Hear me this morning. Think with me. Being justified... Being made right by God with God by faith. We have peace with God, and this peace is through Christ alone. Here's the question this morning. Do you have this peace? Do you have this peace in your heart this morning? I know it's a tough question, but here's something that we all know. Someday we're going to drop dead. And they're not going to be able to bring you back. Because it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. Please understand me, there's no second chance. You see, the business of the gospel, the eugaleon, is not all about receiving blessings, but rather being reconciled to God. Being made right with God. Being justified or made right by faith. The first result is now, we now have peace with God. Through Christ. We're no longer His enemies. And as I said in our last time together, we shall never know the peace of God Until we first have peace with God. Justification is the act by where God pardons the sinner and accepts him as right. That's amazing, isn't it? We sin every day in thoughts, words, deeds, actions, and motives. And yet, because of the blood of Christ, we are declared right. The obstacles that existed between God and us is removed And we have this new relationship. This barrier, church, hear me, this this barrier of hostility and anger and hate that was there before is now torn down. The state of war is now over and we have peace with God through Christ. Look at slide 10 and 11. Paul continuing says, Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith, into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. In slide 11 in the New Living, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. That's what grace really is. Undeserved kindness, undeserved privilege. Where we now stand. That's present tense. We're now standing there. And we confidently and joyfully Look forward to sharing God's glory. Notice what Paul's saying here. He's pointing all of this through Jesus Christ. He says we have obtained our introduction by faith. So we need to understand, what does that word introduction mean? It means to bring forward, to approach. Do you remember three weeks ago, the illustration I gave to help us understand this? If we were going to meet the President of the United States, we have no access to him as we are right now. There are certain formalities or procedures we would need to go through before the visit would even become possible. So there is a way where you can have access to him. You can be presented to him in a court or in the White House. You have an introduction from an important official. So that gives you the idea of this word introduction, the being able to bring forward, to approach. So this is where Paul the Apostle seems to be going with the idea. See, as we've learned, before we get saved, before we're made right with God, we have no entrance into the presence of God. We have no access. We're enemies. We have no introduction. So we cannot come in His presence. We're sinful. We're polluted. We have nothing to commend ourselves. Our clothing is unworthy, unsuitable. We have no right in our own name to be allowed to enter His presence. But, Because of our justification, because we were made right with God through Christ, Christ now gives us that introduction. He introduces us to the Father. Why? Because Jesus is the one who has the right of entry, church. He has access to the Father. He dealt with our sin, so now he could present us blameless to the Father. What does Jesus do? He clothes us into his his righteousness so that we can stand before him. He takes his robe of righteousness, puts it over the sinner, and says, I'm going to take you to dad. I'm going to take you to the father. He's our advocate, our attorney. Hear me. Through this atoning, sacrificial death on the cross for our sins, Jesus made our access, our introduction to the father possible. And he says... By faith into this grace in which we stand. Now that word stand is a a very important word. Let me read this to you again so you can follow the text. By faith into this grace. That's the undeserved kindness in which we stand. That that word stand in the Greek is the word histame. It means something. Listen now, this is important. It means something that's un- immovable, firm, established. It's immovable. It's established. It stands firm forever. Before we were justified, before we were made right with the God, before we had this introduction to the Father, the Father had looked at each of us in a legal manner. Why? Slide 12, Romans 3.23. All of us have sinned. And falls short of the glory of God. Right? We broke the law. We violated His commands. Look at slide 13. In Romans 3, 12. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So, prior to salvation... God the Father did not look upon us as his kids. We were rebels who rebelled against him. We were his enemies. But, church, for those who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, for those who have placed their faith in Christ alone for their salvation, we are no longer under the law. We are under grace. Grace. Undeserved kindness. Grace is showing kindness without that person even being able to be deserved To have kindness shown to them. Imagine that. There's nothing in us as to why we deserve the grace. And yet Jesus loves you so much. So much. That even when we sin, we have grace. We've entered into this new position. And even when believers fall into sin, our sins are not more powerful than God's grace. Never forget that. Hear me this morning. If God, in His sovereignty... Declares that those who believe in his son to be forever just, forever declared right with him, who in the world could ever overturn that verdict? Remember the word stand, his me, firm, immovable, established. Let me clarify one more point. Slide fourteen. Here's what John MacArthur says. And yes, I love John MacArthur. The very purpose and effect of salvation is to free men from sin, not to free them to do it. He goes on to say, the true believer, now look at this, the true believer will begin from salvation on a new pattern of righteousness springing from his new nature which hates sin and loves God. He will not be perfect. But his desires will be different, and so will his patterns of behavior. Here's one acid test for you. When you truly surrender your life to Christ, one, there's going to be this appetite for his word to build the relationship. And as you grow in that relationship with Christ, your mind starts to change. Your will and affection start to change. The things they used to participate in, they start to lose their influence over you because you're like, you know, I know that's not going to honor God. Okay? And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. Look at slide 15. Here's some acid test questions Are you living differently than you did before you got saved? Or are you still participating in those unfruitful deeds of darkness as a way of life? Two, are you still practicing the same sins you practiced before you say you got saved? And I'm just going by what the text says. Are you living differently, hating sin more and more each day? I mean, if you're truly falling in love with Christ, you know, you forsake it. When you truly fall in love with your wife, you start forsaking other relationships you had. You're just like, you know what? I'm not involved that way anymore. My affections are set for one woman. And we are the bride of Christ. So remember, if you're married, God's your father-in-law. Woo! Got quiet in here now, Mr. Wood. And he finishes with this. We exult in the hope of the glory of God. We exult. So you're like, okay, because we don't speak that way to, anymore, even though it's in a modern version. So, okay, so Paul, what did you mean when you used the word exalt? It means to boast or to be extremely joyful. So what in the world is Paul trying to get across to us? Because through Christ, we are made right with God through faith in Christ, because Christ has delivered us from our sin and was raised again for our justification, we can boast in the confidence. We can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory to those who have been made right with God. We can look with hope. What is hope? The Greek word is elpis. It, it, this, this, listen, this confident expectation, this joyful, confident expectation that we shall all stand in the presence of the glory of God and of Christ with no veil. Imagine this. We're going to see the one that was nailed on the cross, prosopon, ha prosopon. What does that mean? Face to face. You're going to be able to look into the face of the very one that was nailed on the cross to pay your sin debt in full. Can you imagine what that's going to be like when you meet him face to face and realize that he's the one that was nailed to the cross so when you drop dead, you're in glory only because of what he did, not because any of us deserve it. Look at verse 3 and 4, slide 16. Here's where it gets fun. You're going to be like, say what? And not only this, but we exult in our tribulations. Say what, Paul? What? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance brings about proven character. Proving character, hope. Oh, boy. Exult in our tribulations? How about slide 17? We'll we'll read it to you in the NLT. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Now, none of you all have that, right? Run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. Wow. Wow. Think about that. Paul says not only this. He had much more to say about it. He's giving us further proof. Now listen, here in these verses, he's giving us further proof as to how we can be certain we're saved. We exalt in our tribulations. Now, we already learned what exalt means, right? Do you guys remember what the word tribulations means? The Greek word is slipsis. So when they were separating the wheat from the chaff, they would have a thlipsis and they would have this thing here that they would put the wheat on, and they would beat it, and just beat it, and beat it to separate the wheat from the tract. So the wheat would be pressed into these tiny, uncomfortable, tight little spots trying to get through the slipsis, this little thing here that they were beating it. So back then, 2,000 years ago, the Greeks would start to say, oh, we're, we're understanding this word picture that Paul's giving us about tribulation, right? pressed into, squeezed, being placed under pressure, affliction, stress, illness. Anybody, can you relate? It can come in any form, can it, church? How about you? Have you ever felt squeezed, pressed into struggles in your life? And these struggles are bigger than you? And here's, here's where it comes, and we're going to have in a few minutes an introduction about what Celebrate Recovery is because we have people that will walk with you through this. You're not alone. Okay? So think about that. But being pressed into these tight, uncomfortable struggles of life, we learn that we don't need to go to the bottle. We don't need to go to the drugs. We don't need to go to the crack, the heroin, the fentanyl. All those things that tear down and destroy. They promise freedom. Satan says the bottle or your wife. The drugs or your family. The crack cocaine or your job. And we have all of these things out there to self-medicate. But we have something much more powerful than that. Those pseudo-gods. We have Christ. And here's the other thing. Do you know, church, that the very same God, the Holy Spirit, who is fully God... The same Holy Spirit that was back in the Old Testament is the same Holy Spirit that indwells every believer. Think about this. I want you to really think about it. God the Holy Spirit indwells. In fact, in the Greek, the word is skenu, and it means permanently set there. Permanently set there. It's It's a permanent settling down inside you. God the Holy Spirit. You don't need... The false gods that are out there promising freedom, but only giving, putting you in slavery. I want you to be thinking about that. Amen? Amen? So when you're being pressed into those places, God is like, call out to me. And even when you don't see his hand, you can trust his heart. Okay? And Paul is saying, listen, you who are true, faithful Christians, he said, listen, you're going to suffer pressure from Satan and his present world system that will never submit to God. Slide 18. Paul, writing in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy and 3.12, says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. And, you know, that word persecuted that Paul used there has the idea of hostility, ill treatment, injury, grieving, affliction. In fact, literally back then, the idea of, of persecution, the Greek word has the idea you you're going to be hunted down like wild beasts. Sometimes our English doesn't do justice to it. But literally, that's the idea of the word that Paul used there. It was, far, it was just much more than ill treatment or injury. The idea was, listen, you're going to be hunted down like wild beasts. They're going to kill you for my name's sake. Slide 19. What did Jesus say? John fifteen twenty. Remember the word that I said to you? A slave, a doulos, is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So, getting back to Paul, talking about exalting in tribulations. Look at uh, slide 20. Matthew five eleven and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you treat you with ill will, hunt you down, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, rejoice and be glad. Why? Because your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So in the preceding verse, he says, boast in the hope of the glory of God. Here... He's telling us to exalt or rejoice in our tribulations. So what is Paul really trying to get across? How do we take what was written 2,000 years ago, draw it out of the text, that's what's called exegesis, drawing out, and apply it to our lives today? You see, Paul really wants us to have an understanding of affliction as a basis for further confidence in salvation. When we are persecuted for Jesus' sake, it is evidence that we are living Christ-like lives. And if you're not being persecuted, then you have to ask yourself: Am I living the way I used to live before I say I got saved? Out there in the week, I'm hurling out profanity like a junkyard dog, and I'm and I'm living like the devil, and I'm doing all these things. And when I come to church, I'm getting all churchy on Sunday. And uh, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. <laughs> how you doing, sister? I'm doing great. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's your acid test. That's what the text is saying. That's why I'm reading these verses. Now listen, I'm not talking about persecution that comes from ongoing sin in our lives. I'm talking about the persecution that comes for living for Jesus. Here's an example. One example would be when your friends want you to go and drink or get high with them or do some other type of sinful behavior, stealing, robbery, whatever it is, is—you know, whatever activity it is, and you're choosing not to participate with them in any of those things. And they'll mock you, taunt you, curse you out, and persecute you. They'll try to make you feel bad because they want you to do what they're doing to make them feel better. But Paul wants to encourage us so we can come to an understanding that these sufferings will produce some valuable spiritual qualities in us that he lists in the verse and in verse 4. What does he say? Knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance. How does that happen? How does being pressed, squeezed, hunted, persecuted bring about perseverance? You know, it's interesting that when things are going well, how we can be on such good terms with ourselves and God. That check comes at the beginning of the month and there's a little jingle in the pocket and everybody's like, oh yeah, hurting's good, you know. It's interesting when things are going well, how we can be on, feeling so good about ourselves, and come to church and feel all good. Yet, when the trials and the pressure comes, when affliction comes, when we're forced to see our true condition, and how often we find ourselves drifting away from the Lord. Do you ever notice, here's the thing, when a really big trial comes, you're going to either move towards Christ, or you're going to be drifting away from Christ. There's one of your acid tests. When, when there's more bill at the end of the month than money, I know none of you have that problem, so that's okay. But think about it. When the, when the trials come, where's my character at? Where's my faith at? Am I, am I moving towards and clinging to Christ because I know that he already knows the end from the beginning? Or do I find myself moving away from him? You know, just one more hit and get high, and you'll forget all about it. All goes away. No. So that's one of your acid tests. Slide 21. See, he uses the words brings about in the Greek. The word has the idea of accomplishing or having the endurance to remain faithful under tremendous pressure without giving up or yielding. Ask yourself, when the trials are really hitting you hard, Do you have the endurance to remain? Do you have enough faith in Jesus who was nailed to the cross to remain faithful under pressure without giving up and yielding? Next thing you know, I'm reaching for the bottle, or I'm reaching for the oxycodone, or I'm reaching for this and that. So then how does this tribulation, being squeezed, being persecuted into these painful places in our lives, how does it accomplish perseverance? Perseverance means, you may, to endure, to be patient. How many of us get impatient with God when things don't get our own way? Oh, you're all sanctified. No, okay. You see, the idea of perseverance there is this continued effort to remain faithful despite the difficulties, failures, or opposition. Look at the text where. Do you see your life fitting into the text? The Bible is like a great Ginsu knife. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to pierce, even to the, the, the joints and marrow. And is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart of man. And if you remember when I taught you about that in, that, in Hebrews 4.12, when a person was on trial, they would take a dagger and put it right here. Literally just about touching the skin. And the re- idea here is that the person was forced to face the court for what his, his, tr- his trial what was going on. And if he tried to turn away or look down, he would slit his own throat. That's actually the idea of Hebrews 4.12 in the latest part of that verse. So I want you to think about it, where you're at with your trials, your struggles, all the different things. Here's another question. What does God want you to do differently than you're doing now, when those trials come and you end up reaching for the booze or the drugs, what is God saying? You know, why don't you try it my way now? You've tried it your way all these years and look where it's gotten you. Why not try it my way now? So think about that. To endure, to remain faithful during difficulties and failures. You see, Paul's speaking of, of the ability for the believer to continue working in the face of strong opposition and obstacles throughout his life. The moment the trials and tribulations come, we really come, if you're saved, to realize our need for the Lord. And by the way, the Lord still works through people. You're going to learn about that and celebrate recovery in a few minutes. You know, we really find out what we're really living with. We're really trying to find out what is my relationship like with Jesus Christ? Have you ever sat down and asked yourself, Who do you tell yourself who you are? When you're alone, or it's just you looking at yourself in the mirror and no one's around, ask yourself, Who are you telling yourself who you really are? And when the trials and oppositions and struggles come, ask yourself, Am I seeking answers? in the land of idols or am I seeking answers how do I navigate through this with the Lord with Jesus am I going to the elders of the church or my mentors or if I have a godly sponsor that's soaking in the word of God who can speak wisdom into my life it's getting quieter uh oh uh oh we're almost done he's this proven character proof, test, trial Proven character, dokemi. This was a word used 2,000 years ago of the testing of precious metals such as silver or gold to reveal its true purity. You see, when you're going through a trial, church, that's placing tremendous pressure upon you. And this trial you're going through demands the endurance needed to continue through it and persevering through it it will really reveal to you whether or not you're really truly following Christ just as a metalsmith uses extreme heat to melt the silver to clean the dross off of it and he knows when the silver is pure when he can see his own reflection in the silver when all the dross is scraped away the Lord uses those trials and tribulations in our lives to continually cleanse our hearts from the spiritual impurities that are there, that are hijacking your walk with the Lord. You see, these trials have a purpose to them. And that purpose is to drive us back to see our need for total dependence on Christ. And Paul is not abdicating or saying, hey, I'm trying to teach you to like being on trial and having sufferings. Let's face it, when we get sick, none of us rejoices at that. You know, we don't sit there and puke our guts out and say, thank God for that. But Paul wants us to come to this mature understanding that when trials and persecutions start hammering at us, when life presses in on us and it's painful, when sickness comes at us, we can rejoice because our faith enables us to persevere through the trial and we're able to pass the test. Well, where does it say that, Pastor Jack? I'm so glad you asked. Slide 22 and 23. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved or tested, he will receive the Stephanos, the crown of life, which the Lord promised to those who love him when you're alone tonight and it's just you ask yourself this question do i really love the lord i mean really ask yourself do i really truly love the lord and if i had somebody loving me the way i love the lord would i still want to be with that person Oh, now it's really quiet. Wow. How about slide 23? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So it would seem then, as I finish up now, what perseverance does, it tests our faith. The very fact that the Lord is testing us should be proof enough that we are his children. This is why we should rejoice when the trials come. Here's something else that really is the opposite of the way we want to think and feel. The trials also reveal to us that God is very involved in our life. You've got to understand something. See, God is omnipotent. he's omnipresent, and he's omniscient. God is everywhere at the very same time. God knows the past, present, and future at the very same time. And God is all-powerful and holds everything together by the word of his power. So I want you to think about it. When I make the statement that God is very involved in your life, God knew a gazillion years before he created you in your mommy's womb who you would be, when you would be, where you would be, why you would be, everything about you. He also knew all the trials. He knew the day you would be born. He already knows the day when you're going to check out of here, and he calls you out. So if he knows the end from the beginning at the very same time, do yourself a favor. Do not waste money on those soothsayers, crystal balls. You don't need one 900 Miss Cleo. You don't need Jonathan Edwards talking to dead people on your behalf. Please. You don't need second-rate wisdom systems when you have the very creator and sustainer of the universe, the only being in the universe worthy to even be worshipped. Please. Deuteronomy 18:9 through 15, when you get home, read it. Read it for yourself. I'm just telling you what the text says. All right, let me finish up with this, and then I want to call up, celebrate recovery. Slide 24, Job 13:15. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Let me read what Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones says in Slide 25. They get rid of everything else in us except what is true. Our true faith in Christ shines brighter and reflects His glory. Last word: hope. Help us. Confident expectation. Hope is a future certainty that gives you joy, peace, patience. In the present time now. Let me read that again about hope. It is a future certainty. And this future certainty should be giving you joy, peace, and patience in the present. Hear me this morning. As we go through the furnace of affliction, it should be an encouragement to you and I who belong to Christ. He's the one that started the process in the first place. So then our confident expectations should be greater than it was before. Slide 26. Isha, is this true of each of us? Do you, do you know when you draw your last breath here on earth, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? I want you to really think about that. When you draw your last breath on earth, when they're sitting there and they're hitting you with the paddles and you're not coming back, Your time is done. It is appointed once for a man to die, and then the judgment. Please understand something. There's no second chance. If you die in your sins, based on what the Bible says, you will burn in hell for all eternity. By the way, there's no parole. There's no pardon. The governor doesn't say you did five years down here. We're going to send you out. There's no ankle bracelet. Sorry, nothing. It is appointed once for a man to die and then to judgment. The only way a person enters into heaven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ being applied to that person's life. Amen. And if the church you're in isn't preaching the blood of Christ, run. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. And as you're bowing your heads, I'm going to ask my friends from Celebrate Recovery slash Peek and Hope to come up. And they're going to talk to you a little bit about it. Is there anybody here this morning that God's really tapping on your heart? Come on up. You know you've been living the wrong way for a long time. You know you're laying with somebody you're not married to. Or maybe you're, you're, you're struggling with an addiction to drugs or alcohol or methamphetamines or whatever it is. Maybe you're struggling with relationships. If God's tapping on your heart and he's calling you to himself, he's telling you now is the time, now is the time for you to get right with God. What does that mean? First, the Bible says you need to confess your sin. Just come, listen, God already knows it. The confession is your benefit, not his. He already knew knew every sin you were going to commit before you were even born. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as he has been freely offered to you in the gospel. Now is the time, church. We don't know how much time we really have left here. We really, really don't. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that the world is, flu- is spiraling out of control. I mean, we're only two steps away from World War III nuclear war. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to, you know, just turn on the news and then read Matthew 24. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, Christ is the answer. Surrender your life to Christ. I'm going to ask Tom and Samantha and to come up. I'm going to give Tom much time as he and samantha need he says he's only going to tr- take about three hours and he's going to explain to you about celebrate recovery all right it's all you brother
1: sam's
0: not coming up sam's, not coming up. No. sam's hiding right Hi. <laughs> good Tom. hey
2: guys Self-centeredness, being selfish. also one of the ministry leaders at Celebrate Recovery. Uh, If anybody wants a card afterwards, I can give you a card. Um, So next slide, please. So, sorry. The first first slide said, what can I expect at Celebrate Recovery? Um, And you can expect live worship. Um, Live worship, uh, we have... (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so live live worship. Uh, next slide, we have uh, large groups. So large group is uh, rotating 26 weeks um, of lessons. We go every other week with a lesson a t- and a testimony. Or uh, if you're similar to AA, it's like, a, a, or if you're familiar with AA or NA, it's just like someone's story um, about how God worked in their life and, and brought them out of uh, out of a struggle, and then. Uh, then we break off into small groups. So the first hour is large group. We break off into small groups, men with men, women with women. Um, and and uh, the small groups are divided into specific reasons for coming to to uh, celebrate recovery. <coughs> so celebrate recovery is to find freedom from all of your hurts, habits, and, um, Thank and hang-ups. <laughs> Thanks, John. So uh, really, at RCR, we're, we're at Gilbertsville and uh, at New Hanover United Methodist Church every Tuesday night. Um, And really, it's about 35 to 40% of the people who come to RCR who are there for drug and alcohol addiction. The rest of the individuals that are there are there for a variety of things. um, People who struggle with past abuse, people who struggle with codependency, enabling, um, anger issues, pride, ego. You know, the list goes on and on and on. uh, But it's it's there for everyone, and people find freedom uh, from everything through the program of Celebrate Recovery. Uh, The next slide, please. We also run step studies. Oh, thank you. Ne- uh, step studies. So step studies are a like six-month, week by week. And this is really where I got to learn how to live. Uh, you know, everything that Pastor was saying today um, about what we do when we feel um, when we feel tempted. Well, how do we do this? How do we do that? How do we build that faith? Those are all the things I wanted, but I had no idea how to live that out in everyday life. Um, you know, it, and I needed to learn how to do that. Uh, and I was also at an odd place where I didn't trust the church enough to go to church and learn, right? So um, I found that in Celebrate Recovery, and I was able to, able to get that and learn how to do that every day uh, through Celebrate Recovery. Um, so that's really what Step Study was able to do. is It, uh, it helped me to form really long-lasting uh, relationships with other men, another thing I had never done in my life before, didn't know how to do it. Um, and the Step Study, you know, I, I, got, I got to uh, have long-lasting relationships with other men. Next slide, please. You can just put all these ones up that are on this one, please. I think there's multiple bullet points. Yeah. It's also I can't read it anywhere though. I can't read it. (laughs) I'm just gonna talk. (laughs) Um, So celebrate recovery. Some of the main differences between CR and um, other recovery programs are the small groups, like I mentioned before. Uh, we have very strict guidelines to make sure everybody feels safe. Again, there's a lot of people who come there for, uh, you know, struggles uh, of abuse and things like that, that, that uh, a lot of people, only, you know, first share that at a CR meeting um, or one-on-one with a pastor. But um, so we have uh, guidelines to make sure everybody feels safe. Uh, and the 12 steps are directly adopted from the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, there, there are Bible verses that go with all the steps and our eight principles. And uh, we, we br- pull the Bible into it. And Jesus is the center of our recovery, the center of the steps, and the center of uh, coming out of or gaining freedom from these things. Um, let's go next to the principles. Sorry, and I'm not, I'm not even the, the one who's supposed to be here today, so I apologize for not being prepared. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks. So we're going to go through the eight, uh, the eight principles. Um, I would encourage you all, if you can, see them read, them, read through them with me. This is what we do at the beginning of every meeting. Um, if not, that's okay. I'll just read through them. Uh, principle one, realize I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Uh, Matthew five three, happy are those who know that they are spiritually poor. Next, earnestly uh, principle two, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. Matthew five four, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Next, three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy are the meek, Matthew 5 5. 4. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happy are the pure in heart, Matthew 5 8. Voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires, Matthew 5 6. Evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5 9. And reserve a daily time with God for self examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain the p- power to follow His will. And the last one yield myself to God. To be used to bring this good news to others, <coughs> both by my example and by my words. Happier those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. We just heard that, right? Um, we just heard a lot of Matthew this morning, and it, a, a, a lot of uh, the, our principal, right? <laughs> the principles and the beatitudes um, are directly out of Matthew. And again, those are all things that we strive for. Most of us strive for to be be like and be, work towards. Um, but for me, I didn't have any idea on how to do that in the practical day-to-day life that I, w- that I live and that I was living. Um, and, th- and that CR is where I was able to learn that. Um, I was able to get other men around me who, who uh, were had a similar walk. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just been amazing. It's been one step at a time, one baby step at a time. Um, and God has completely changed my life in so many ways. Um, my wife's not coming up today because we just, you know, uh, she's six and a half weeks pregnant. Praise God. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and she's not feeling well. But, um, so, I mean, so many good things are happening in my life today, and it's all, all because of turning my life over to Jesus every single day and, and asking Him to show me His will. So, thank you guys for letting me be up here and speak.